We're so happy you're joining us on our Brentwood Church podcast. To find out more about Brentwood, go to brentwoodchurch.org. During this episode, Pastor John shares a great message that we pray will lead you to new and deeper levels with Jesus Christ. So open up your Bible or Bible app and grab a notebook or simply listen along. Okay, let's jump into this. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 2, the book of Exodus chapter 2. Today we talk about awakening dreams. And what are we talking about when we're talking about awakening dreams? It says in Genesis In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What do we know about God? That God is a creator. He is a dreamer. He had a dream and he made creation. As a result of that, on the sixth day, it said he created man and woman in his own image. He created in his dream dreamers. So it's sort of like that movie Inception, right? You guys remember this? Leonardo DiCaprio DiCaprio hacking into people's dreams within a dream within a dream. Well, you are a dream within God's dream for creation. And we're going to talk about how God has a dream for you and me. And once that gets awakened, how we go after that. You want to be here all five weeks of this series because we're going to be answering questions. What is the dream that God has put in me? How do I know if I'm going after it? The other thing is this, when I do know and I face obstacles and opposition and struggle, How do I know that I'm on the right track? How do I know if I have stalled in a dream? If a dream seems dead to me, how does it awake again in me? All of those questions we are going to wrestle and we're going to get into. Exodus 2 is sort of the template. It's the backdrop by which we are going to look. We're going to look at Moses and the children of Israel and their their exodus from slavery into the journey towards the promised land. It's going to be sort of our template in awakening the dream and knowing how we are on track or maybe off track or what gets us back on track. So we're going to get to that and then we're going to follow that throughout the series. But I want to do a little bit of an experiment for a second. I want you guys to go with me. Does anybody on the first couple rows have an iPhone? Can I borrow your iPhone, Ryan? Thank you so much. Oh my goodness, you're getting a call. Hey, uh, Ryan's busy right now. No, I'm totally joking. I made that whole thing up. Anyway, iPhone. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to imagine this iPhone, this, well, iPad mini is more like it. I want you to imagine this a thousand years into the future. Some future archaeologists are digging out the remains and the ruins of what was once this community, and they find this piece of technology, this tool, and they're, and they're awe-inspired by it. Oh, wow, we just found something. What could it have been to these ancient people. And one of them speaks up and says, I think it may have been a doorstop. I think they had to actually open and close their doors. And maybe they would put it underneath there and it would stop the door. And, and one of them's like, yeah, that sounds good. And, and, and another one speaks up and says, maybe, maybe it was a paperweight. I heard and I read somewhere in a book that they used to have to write on paper. And maybe if they were outside, they had to lay this on top of the paper so it didn't blow away. Yeah, that sounds good. And one of them spoke up and said, I heard that, that this ancient people, especially the Canadians, played this game called hockey. And maybe, maybe they, the, the, they would throw it down on the ice and they would use it to play that ancient game hockey. And, and, and someone who speaks to them says, oh, yeah, that could be it. 
When in reality, those are some good things that could be used, that an iPhone could be used for, no doubt about it. None of us would argue with that. Yeah, it could be a doorstop. Yeah, it could be a paperweight. Yeah, it could be a hockey puck. But that's not why it was created. That is not the first and foremost purpose of an iPhone. What is the purpose of an iPhone? It is to make phone calls and to answer them. Sorry, Pokemon Go people, all right? Yes, it actually is to communicate with people. That is the purpose of it. Thank you, Ryan. Now, I want you to take that same idea and think about your own life. There are things you could do with your life that are useful, that would even be successful in some people's mind, maybe even your own mind. But if you're not living out the purpose for which God has placed you on this planet, this planet, you will not be fulfilled in the full purpose of your existence here. And that brings us to a couple things. A lot of people here today might fall into one of these categories. You go after the wrong dreams all the way or the right dreams your own way. Let me say that again. The wrong dreams all the way or the right dreams your own way. Let me explain that. The, the wrong dreams all the way is I have this dream. I've had it since I was a kid. I'm going after it. I'm going to achieve it no matter what. And I'm going all in. And you know what? You might achieve that and you might have success in that. But as I just said, you may get to the end of that and be like so many people that you know about and have read about and you go, wow, I achieved this. I got the fame. I got the name. I got the stuff. I got whatever. I built that whatever. I went after that whatever and I got it only to find out that it did not fulfill me. I went after the wrong dream all the way and I got to the end of it. The right dream our own way can be just as dissatisfying. In fact, that's one of those people where they just go, yeah, I felt a call to my life very early on. Or I, I, I went to church one day and I heard a message just like this and I, I stepped out in faith or I feel like God called me to this and clarified this. And as soon as you got clarity on that dream, you said, God, I'll take it from here. I, I, thank you so much for that clarity. Thank you so much for that dream that you put inside of me, but I'm gonna do it on my own. And you don't follow God's strength. You don't depend on God's strength. And you've gotten to a place in your life or a place in a season of your life where you may have achieved some kind of success in that, but you know there's more and you know you have wasted some time. Now, some of you might say, that's all well and good, but I'm not either one of these. In fact, I, I would just say, I am not a dreamer. I'm not a dreamer. I don't, I, I don't in fact, when you, when you heard that spoken word video uh, just, just a minute ago, you could identify with that person who's just kind of waiting for the weekend. You're just kind of paying your bills and you just say, you know what, I, I'm not one of those dreamers. Dreamers are, are people who have big epic things going on in their life and that's not me. And I wanna say to you today, if that's you, that is a lie. And don't believe that lie anymore. God has created you. You were born a dreamer, a dream within his greater dream. In fact, I want you to turn to somebody beside you and say, I'm a dreamer. Go ahead, just say it. Play along, play along. I'm a dreamer. We're all in this together. You may say, I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. You know what I'm saying? You are a dreamer. And sometimes we go after the wrong dreams all the way. We're all in or the right dreams our own way. Some of us don't think we are a dreamer, but you are a dreamer. Here's the good news. The Bible teaches us how to go after the right dream 
God's way. Let me say that again. How to go after the right dream God's way. And what happens when we go after the right dream God's way? We can recognize temptations. We can recognize diversions. We can recognize what obstacles are and what they're not. We can recognize what haters are and what they're not. We, we know that because we are going after God's dream His way. And that's what I want us to talk about today and for the next five weeks. So as I promised, Exodus chapter 2 is going to be the launch for us. And we're going to look at this now, for those of you who are new to church and maybe new to the Bible, first, I'm glad you're here today. The people that we're going to talk about today, the, the people of Israel and Moses, these were people you've probably heard of beyond church life. You've heard of the parting of the Red Sea and, and the, the nation of Israel going through it. You may have heard about Jericho and people marching around the walls of Jericho and they fell down. These are those people. Okay. Now, many of you already know that before any of that happened, though, we see that the nation of Israel really isn't a nation at all. They are a, a, a horde of slaves, the Hebrew slaves that were in bondage to the ancient Egyptians about 3,000 years ago. Many of you know this, uh, and here was the deal with this. This was very confusing and frustrating for the Hebrew people. Why? Because their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, told them, who told the next generation, who told the next generation, that God had a promise on them as a people that they would be a great people in a great land and do great things for the world. The world would be blessed because of them. And there they are being beat to death and worked to death generation after generation for 400 years. And we finally get to this place where it gets so bad, the Pharaoh of Egypt's like, this population's growing so much, we're gonna have to thin the population. And so he decrees that all of the male baby boys that are born during a certain time are to be thrown out into the Nile River where they will drown and be eaten by the crocodiles. Pretty violent time. And yet, and yet, God had a rescue plan for them all along. And we jump into it, his dream within a dream. Exodus chapter 2, verse 1. Now, a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Remember what happens to male Hebrew boys. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. What happens next? But when she could not hide him, when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him, coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. So you get the scene. Here, here we go. She can't hide the baby anymore. She's thinking, no, I am not going to let this child be thrown into the Nile River by some Egyptian. So I'm going to do the only thing I think I can do and is put him in the Nile myself and hope that God will protect him somehow, some way. So she does so and she says to big sister, I want you to follow him along until you can't follow him anymore and just see that he gets to safety. Hopefully he gets to safety. And so you get the story. He, he's, he's, he's sort of going along in the current of the Nile River. And what happens, the, the, the verses in, in, in preceding say that, that there in the river, Pharaoh's daughter, the very tyrant that is trying to kill this little baby boy and so many, uh, so many more like him, 
His daughter is bathing in the Nile River. She sees the basket, opens it. Little boy's in there. She feels compassion for this child. A conversation begins to happen. Sister's out in the reeds, and she's like, oh, hey, let me intervene here. She explains the situation. And Pharaoh's daughter says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take this child back to his mother, and I want you to have this, his mother nurse this child. And we jump in right here. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me. And I will pay you. Okay, what just happened? Not only did he not die at his birth, not only did the Nile River not consume him, but now the Pharaoh's daughter, having found him, doesn't kill him, but pays his mom to feed him. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, what happens? She took him to Pharaoh's, uh, Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. Are you, are you catching this? Not only did he not die at birth, not only did he not die in the river, not only did Pharaoh's daughter not kill him, but had his mother feed him till he grew up. And then Pharaoh's daughter did what? Raise the child as her own. Let me tell you something. If you didn't already catch it, here's so many, so many stuff in this verse in this passage of scripture. But the thing that we got to look at today is Moses existed because God had a purpose for his life. He had a purpose for his life. There is no way around it. There's no way he could have survived the, 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 not being killed as a baby. There's no way he could have survived the Nile. There's no way he could have survived all of these things God had a purpose for Moses' life. And we see this throughout the Bible, that God has a specific and important purpose for every human being he ever created. You exist because God has a purpose for you. He has a purpose for you. You exist because God has a purpose for you. I want you to say that to the person beside you. Play along. Just say, I have a purpose. Go ahead. I have a purpose. Just say it. Just own it. You can say it. You can say it in a different language if you want. Just say it. I have a purpose. I have a purpose. I love that. God has given you a purpose. Listen, listen. Your birth was not a mistake. It was not a mistake. Now, some of you may say, well, I, you don't know my story. My mom and dad, they didn't even know each other. And and, you know, I never met my dad, and, you know, it's a sad situation, but, but or I was adopted, I never even met my parents, and, you know, you, you no, I, I was, no, you were not a mistake. Your, your birth was not some random act of nature. Like, your mom and dad didn't just go, hey, let's just have a kid and see what happens. Like, you are here, you exist, and God has a purpose for you. All of the struggles in your story, all of the setbacks in your story, all of the tragedy in your story, all of the pain of your story, and you are here. You're breathing oxygen. You have the muscular stamina to sit there or stand there as you hear my voice. You exist because God has a purpose for your life. I love what Rick Warren says. He says this. He says, God was thinking of you long before you ever thought about him. Think about that. I think some of you can relate to that today. Some of you walked in here, you're like, I don't even know about God, much less Jesus. Somebody invited you here, and you're already wrestling with this. Here, here's the deal. 
God was thinking about you before you ever thought of him. And now you're starting to think about him. You're starting to think about him. Listen to what he says. He says, his purpose for your life predates your conception. He planned it before you existed. Without your input, you may choose your career, your spouse, your hobbies, and many other parts of your life. But listen to this. But you don't get to choose your purpose. God has you here right now breathing oxygen and absorbing sunlight and producing body heat in this room because he has a purpose for your life. You are a dream within his bigger dream. The question you have to ask yourself is, are you going to go the wrong dream all the way? Are you going to go with the right dream your own way? Are you going to go with God's dream his way? Because the results will be very different. And that's what we want to look at today. A God purpose dream. God had a purpose for Moses. He had a, what was his purpose for Moses? He was going to use Moses to liberate, to rescue the people of Israel from slavery into the journey towards a promised land. It was his God purpose dream. And the same thing is true of you and me. God is rescuing creation just like he rescued Israel. He's rescuing his creation and he's using you and me to do it. And every step that we take towards that purpose that he has is living out and fulfilling the dream that he has had for your life before you were ever conceived. Wow. I don't know about you, but that makes me want to do backflips. I won't because that will hurt me, but I want to. I want to. Because, man, think about that. Every day that I wake up, I know, I know that I'm a part of something bigger than myself, bigger than who I am. Now, here's what I want to do. I want us to look in this, in this next piece how this dream gets awakened in Moses and how the dream that God has for you and me gets awakened just the same. And then I want us to look at how it can get off track, but then how it can get back on track as we look at Moses' story. So we step into this next scene as he has the dream awakened in his life. Look what it says. It says, one day after Moses had grown up, so he was about 40 years old, according to, to, to history, he went out to where his own people were and he watched them at their hard labor. So he's, he knows now that he, he, he's a Hebrew and he's, and he's not an Egyptian and he's, he's, he's looking at his people. He saw the Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Look what it says next. It says, looking this way and that and seeing no one. Let me just stop here for a second. Anytime you look this way and that way, you're about to blow up your life. I'm just going to tell you that. You know what I'm talking about. Anytime you look around and you go, is anybody looking? Just don't. Just don't. Like you even know in the very act that you're doing, it's like, just don't do that because you're going to blow up something. Moses, two things are getting ready to happen. He's getting ready to blow up a part of his life, but he's about to awaken a dream at the same time. It says, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The next day he went out and he saw the Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? I mean, he's, he's kind of like, look, man, I, I just, 
I don't understand why you would hit your brother, man, like these Egyptians keep hitting you. Why would you be doing that to your brother? And he says, the man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? You're not the boss of me. Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Uh Uh-oh. Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. So what just happened there? A dream got awakened in Moses. And I want to talk about that for a second. How did that dream get awakened? How do we know that? It says that when he saw the Egyptian beating the Hebrew, something in him rose up. Something in him awoke. It awoke. And the same thing happens to you and me. I talked to a guy after the first service, and he said, listen, he says, I've always known that I want to protect people in my life. I've always known it, and, and, I, and I made some bad decisions in my life, and, and, and I felt so much shame, and I felt so much that, that I felt like I wasn't able to protect people anymore. And he believed the lie that he is no longer a dreamer. But I'm going to tell you something. Today, that dream got awoken in him again. It got awoken in him again, and I believe the same thing can happen to you. But it begins with something, a hint that God gave you, maybe even as a little child or a teenager or as a young adult or maybe just yesterday. And it starts with a question. It's a simple question. Somebody would try to overthink this question, but don't. What makes you mad, glad, or sad? What makes you mad, glad, or sad? Because that could be a hint. It's not the only question, but it's a start. What are those things that you go just like Moses? Man, that's injustice, and somebody needs to do something about it, and I think I'm going to do something about it. What makes you glad? What makes you go, yes, keep doing that. Yay, I like that. Yeah, we, we, I want to be a part of that. What makes you sad? What breaks your heart? There are clues in that question to the dream that God has put in you. I'm going to tell you something. From, from when I was a little boy, I remember that, that I love to be in hospitality environments. I love to be around restaurants and businesses and theme park that, that said, we value you and we've prepared for you. I love that. I love that. I love, even today, I love to go to places that really, I remember going to Disney World and just thinking, I never want to leave this place because they were so hospitable. They, they just rolled out the red carpet. And even today, sometimes I'll bring my kids to Disney World. Sometimes I won't. I just go by myself. Okay, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I would. I would, if I only had two tickets to Disney World, I would take them. I would take them. But, but listen, I love to go into restaurants at where, where they just go, man, we value you. We care. We want to bend. I love going to hotels. I love, all, I love hospitality because there's something disarming about hospitality. It's almost like the, the least offensive thing that you could do is to say to somebody, I care about you enough to have prepared for you and to roll out the red carpet for you. And that is so disarming. I'm going to tell you something that makes me mad. This isn't the only thing that makes me mad. But I, I, oh, it bothers me when I go into environments where people don't care that people have shown up. Oh, man, when I go into a business and they're, you know, the hostess is like, yeah, whatever. Can I take your order, please? Or, or you go into a hotel, it's like, yeah, would you mind if I have an extra towel? Extra towel? What do you think? Towels grow on trees here? Oh, I'm sorry. Let me leave and die and make your life better. 
You guys ever feel that way? Or, or like you go into a small business and you got that widget that needs to be fixed and this is a widget fixer. You know what I'm talking about? And you walk in, you're like, oh man, I'm glad you haven't closed. And, and he's there with his like, you know, goggles on, you know, working on something. And he's mad because you walked in like five minutes before he was about to close and he's 15 widgets behind and he's like angry at you. And if it weren't for his customers, he'd be successful. Oh, that bothers me. And I, I just, I want to take those people and I want to just go, I love you, but I want to punch you. Like, you don't get it. You don't get it. Why? Because there was just something in me. And you know something, 18 years ago, when we launched this church, it, it, it launched, I had, I had been a waiter at, at a local restaurant. And I just said, we are going to make sure that hospitality is at the core. We're not always going to get it right, but man, when we get it wrong, we're going to make it right. And we're going to do everything we can to get it right. From the parking lot in, we're going to make sure that people who never have been to church or have never taken a step to believe and follow Jesus, they may leave here and say, I may never come back there. I, may ne- I, I don't even know if I believe and follow Jesus, but they just showed me they did. Now, that's tweetable. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that. Yeah, they may leave here and say, I don't, I don't know if I believe in Jesus, but they just showed me that they believe in him because of the way they acted towards me, because of the way they believe. That is at the core of this church because it started with something that made me mad, it's, that made me glad. And I believe that you're here today and that you serve here today and you invest here today and you lead here today because at your core, you say, I don't want. I can remember as a kid growing up in the church, my my wayward sister who was leaving her faith and leaving the church showed up at the church one night and I don't even know why she was there. She was with her boyfriend who didn't go to church, probably never been to church and he had a ball cap on and they sat in the back row and before it ever started, there was a, one of the senior saints, he comes up to this and he doesn't welcome this young man to church. He says, you need to get that ball cap off in the house of the Lord. And I'm just thinking, oh, I know your intentions, but they're so wrong and the results are so bad, what you're doing. I know what you think. You think God is respected by following your rules, but God is respected when you show hospitality to a stranger. Oh, okay. All right. I think some of you are glad and mad. I I like this. I like this. Here's what I'm saying. There is a clue. There is a cue. There is something in that where you say, not on my watch. I am not going to let that happen again. Or this needs to happen. God is telling you something. He's, he's bringing something. Now, here's the say. I said that wasn't the only question. There are other questions. And there are three things that I want to look at in the life of Moses as we awaken this dream in us, and we need to test our dream with these things because it could be not a God purpose dream, but what I call a human achievement dream. And what is a human achievement dream? It means I'm going after this thing and I'm gonna find success and I'm gonna get stuff and I'm gonna get mine. And you know what? We may find achievement and we may build some things and we may help some people uh, along the way because of what we've built and what we've achieved. But if the end goal is always about us, then we may find success and we may have some temporal happiness, but at the end of the day, we will not be fulfilling our purpose and we will not experience the fulfillment that God has for us in that purpose. 
And so I want us to look at these three things so we can test where we are right now before we move forward into this series. So a God-purpose dream, three things that we need to know. A God-purpose dream, God is the hero and we are the helper. You gotta know that. He is always gonna be the hero of a God-purpose dream. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about your fame. It's not about who knows your name. It's about at the end when it is fulfilled and when it's getting sustained and when it's getting launched. It's always about God. He is at the center of it. And more specifically, Jesus at the center of it. It's like, look, I am not doing this for me. I am doing this because God is the hero. He gets the fame in the end. Human achievement dream, it's always about me. It's always about me. It's about people knowing my name. It's about people showing me the fame. It's about me getting mine. And there's a question that we have to ask ourselves, who gets the fame and credit in your dream? Right now, are you going after something? And and if you can answer that question, at the end of the day, God does. This has always been about God. This has always been about him pushing this thing forward. But if it's always been about you running through roadblocks, running through warnings and cautions, don't marry him. I think I, should, I, think I just want to marry him. Like if you just keep blowing through the bridge out, bridge out, and you just keep going and keep going because it's all about you, then you might be on a human achievement dream. Moses, yeah? Who was gonna be the hero in Moses's moment? It was gonna be him, wasn't it? It was about him. I'm gonna come down off my horse and take care of business. I'm gonna make sure my people are safe. What he didn't know is that God didn't want him to rescue one Hebrew. He wanted him to rescue a million, a million and he wasn't going to do it on his own strength. And he wasn't going to be the hero. Trust me. You get to the end of the story. What else? A God-purpose dream is motivated to serve others, not to elevate self. Not to elevate self. I mean, if you're going to build that business, if you're going to go after that career, if you're going to become that whatever, whether it's an intern or an executive, a plumber, or the president, whether, you know, whatever it is, an artist or an astronaut, Is it about adding value to other people at the end of the day? Is it, I am going to do this. I'm going to take this risk. I'm going to build this thing because I want to help other people. I want to give this away. I want to, whatever it is, if that is the case, then you are on track with a God-purpose dream because it's never about you. Now, you benefit from it. You are blessed because of it, but it's always about adding value to other people. Question. Question, who will benefit first and foremost from the fulfillment of your dream? Because that's where you and I begin to understand, is this a God-purpose dream or is this a human achievement dream? Because a human achievement dream, man, I may go after the wrong dream all the way and experience some success and temporal happiness, but I will not be in my purpose. And when I am not in my purpose, I am not ever going to be fulfilled. Listen, you hear the story, you've written the story. You may be here today because the story has gotten really sad for you. Finally, finally this, a God-purpose dream. The dream is too big to accomplish on your own strength. It's just too big. A God-purpose dream, it's not about you achieving it on your own strength. If, it is, if you can achieve the dream that you're going after right now because you got a degree, uh, because you know the right people, 
And because you work hard enough for it, it's probably not big enough. If it doesn't cause you to fall on your face regularly and say, oh my God, help me. I am in it. I am in it. I, I, I don't know if, if we're going to, God, I need you to intervene like you have so many times. God I, God, I need you to put the people in my, I need you to put the resources. I need you to give me clarity. I need you to give me guidance right now. If you and I aren't doing that on a regular basis about what we're going after, and it doesn't have to be some epic thing that everybody knows about. It could be just something that you and God are going after, but it requires his constant intervention and guidance. If that is not the case for you, if you are always making a phone call to your broker, to your counselor, to some health, self-help book, or whatever else, and, and, and nowhere in there have you just said, God, help me, then you might be going after a human achievement dream and not a God-purpose dream. I, I, um, I like what Mark Batterson said. He, he came out with a, a book recently called uh, Chasing the Lion. He says, in every dream journey, there comes a moment when you have to quit, quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. If I can just get to death with enough comfort and stuff, then I will be okay. You have to go after a dream that is destined to fail without divine intervention. Oh, mm. think about that for a second. What makes you mad, glad, or sad? Okay, good. Now let's test that. Who's the hero? You or God? Who's the helper in your story? Who's the helper? Are you, are you, are you always just saying, yeah, God, why don't you help me get out of this jam? It, God, won't you help me with my dream? Or is he, the, is he the hero and you're the helper? What makes you mad, glad, or sad? Okay, great. Now, who's this dream going to benefit the most? Is it going to add value to a lot of other people or just you? Okay, great. Is this dream manageable with your skills and your strength and your talent and your education? Okay, it's not, then you might be going after a God-purpose dream. And if you, if you would say, hey, I don't know really, really where I am in this, if you just go through that questioning with the Holy Spirit of God and ask this final question, like, what, is this big enough? Is this big enough for me to handle? Or do I need God? And if you know the answer is, I have constantly got to rely on God, you have awakened a God-purpose dream. You are in the midst of going after it all the way. And man, that is a powerful, powerful place to be. Mm. Now, Moses, what happens with him? He, it says that he kind of tracked through that, and, and we realized that Moses wasn't trying to help these Hebrews. He was trying to help himself. That's why he looked this way or that. Mo- Moses wasn't uh, trying to... to, to to save millions of Hebrews, that was too big. He couldn't do that on his own strength. So he's, he's going to help this one or two. And he got distracted. Let me, let me, before I talk more about that and, and we, we, we conclude that story, I, I want us to, to get to something that's really, really important. Moses did not know at the time that God had an even bigger dream than rescuing the nation of Israel from Egypt. 
that God had a dream to redeem his whole creation through his one and only son, Jesus Christ. But we know that, don't we? We know that the dream is so much bigger than rescuing Israel. It's about us becoming the new Israel. It's about us becoming rescue dreamers. It's about us living out our purpose and plan. Listen, listen to what the Apostle Paul says. I love this. I love this. He's talking to the church. He says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. You get that? He chose you in Christ before the creation of the world. He already had the ultimate rescue plan for creation in mind. And that is he would send his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to be born as a man, to live as a man, to die like a man on a cross. But he was perfect and blameless. He was the atoning sacrifice for all your sins and mine, past, present, and future. He knew that you would have the opportunity to hear that, to respond to that, to let it save you, and to let it change you. You exist for a purpose. You are here today because of that right there, because of that truth. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through who? Through Jesus Christ in accordance to his, now listen to this, to what? To his pleasure and will. He is pleased with you. He has willed you to exist. And you are here right now, a dream within a dream. It's time to awaken the dream. Moses, what happens to him? What happens to Moses is not that he goes after the wrong dream all the way. No, he's going after the right dream, but he just went after it his way. And, and what does it say? It says that when Pharaoh heard of this, that he killed this Egyptian, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. And he would sit down by that well, and he would be in Midian for 40 years years, four decades of his life, that dream would be waiting and waiting and waiting. And you know what God was doing in the meantime? He was humbling Moses. He was, he was crafting a new heart in Moses, a bigger faith, a, 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 a Moses that would no longer see himself as the hero, but God as the hero. A Moses that would no longer do things for his, himself, but would give his life to, to aid and add value to other people. A Moses that would join a dream not big enough for him to handle, but only one that God could handle. In 40 years, he wondered, had the dream died? Is this over? Did I, did I blow up my life enough? And I think some of you are here today, and you, you, you think that. You think, well, the divorce, you know, I, I, I'll never be able to help people. I'll never be able to help families. I couldn't keep my own family together. You know, they, they called me in, and they, and they let me go. That career that I was going after, that thing that I was going after with everything in my life. And they called me in, and they said, 
thank you, but your services are no longer needed here. And you've been wallowing around thinking that was your life, that job. And you know what, you, you, you asked her to marry you and she said no. And you, and you, have, you have been destroyed ever since. You, you didn't get into that college. You, you, that person that you had put all of your hopes and dream in got sick and died. And you think the dream is over. I'm here to tell you, just like Moses, just like Moses, he's just getting you ready to wake up again. Thanks so much for listening today. We believe that everyone has a next step towards Jesus, and we'd love to help you take yours. Email us at hello at brentwoodchurch.org or visit our website, brentwoodchurch.org slash next steps. Until next time, go change the world.